from the Heidelberg Catechism. Let's read together Lord's Day 46. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust toward God, which should be basic to our prayer. God has become our Father through Christ, and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. Why is there added in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner and to expect from his almighty power all things we need for body and soul. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, where do you turn in times of need? To whom do you look for help when you're faced with trouble or sorrow in your life? Whom do you call upon when you're afraid or anxious or depressed? In Psalm 50, the Lord reveals himself as the Mighty One, God the Lord. He tells his people, Israel, I am God, your God. God commands his people, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. In the same way, in Psalm 91, the Lord makes himself known as the refuge and fortress of his people. He promises to allow us to take refuge under his wings. And he promises that his angels will guard us. The Lord says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. We see that the Lord our God teaches us to call on him. He teaches us to draw near to him in prayer. He promises that when we draw near to his throne of grace, he will grant mercy and grace in our time of need. And a basic question remains, how are we to approach God? When we seek God's face in prayer, how are we to address him? When we speak to God, by what name are we to call him? We realize that saying, hey, you, would be disrespectful. Do we address him as dear Lord or gracious God? What's the Bible teach us about this? In the Bible, God's people address him in different ways. When Abraham prays for the inhabitants of Sodom, he addressed God as Adonai, which can be translated as Lord or Master. When Elijah called on God on Mount Carmel in a contest with the Baal prophets, he addressed him as Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Yahweh, or Lord in capital letters in our Bibles, is a reference to the covenant name of God, 
It stresses his faithfulness to his promises. Most often in the Psalms, God's people call him Lord or God. It's not wrong for us to address the Lord in prayer using different titles that show forth our love and our respect for him. We can begin our prayer by saying, Merciful God, or Gracious God, or Dear Lord. Yet when Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray, Jesus taught them something different. He said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. In our sermon this afternoon, we'll focus on this manner of address. We'll see how rich we are to be able to call on the name of the Lord in this way. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Christ teaches us to truly draw near to our Heavenly Father in prayer. We can draw near because of our Father's great love for us, because of our Father's powerful ability to provide for us. Christ teaches us to address God as our Father in heaven. That is a remarkable step forward in the history of redemption. In the Old Covenant, God was not commonly addressed as our Father. To Israel, the Lord made himself known as their covenant God. When Moses was commanded to deliver Israel from Egypt, he asked God what to say if the people asked who he was. The Lord made himself known as I am who I am. He made himself known as the God of their fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. God taught Israel to know him as Yahweh, the Lord, their covenant God. By entering into a covenant with his people, God showed forth his grace and his steadfast love towards them. By delivering them from Egypt and bringing them to the promised land, God revealed his mercy and his faithfulness to his chosen ones. Yet Israel did not see the Lord as their father. When they appeared before him at Mount Sinai, they were afraid of him. Israel saw God as the exalted creator. They saw God as the sovereign Lord, as ruler over all. They saw God as a mighty king. Through the covenant of love, God entered into an intimate relationship with his people. Yet Israel did not know God as their father. The Old Testament makes it clear that God considered himself to be the father of his people. When God commanded Moses to deliver Israel from slavery in Egypt, he told him, You shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. Let my son go, that he may serve me. In Deuteronomy 1, Moses speaks about the Lord's care for Israel as a sojourn in the wilderness. He says to the people, You have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. The fact that the Lord loved Israel as a father loves his son is especially clear in the prophets. In Jeremiah 31, God speaks to his exiled people saying, I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. 
Later in Jeremiah 31, we see the Lord reminiscing about his covenant people. He says, is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Despite Israel's waywardness, God loved his people. As a father loves his children. Despite this, it's clear that Israel did not relate to the Lord as their father. The intimate relationship that children can have with their parents did not develop between Israel and the Lord. Israel's sin so often got in the way. God's people were unfaithful to the covenant. The close communion they could have had with the Lord was often not there. Instead, God's people turned to the gods of the surrounding nations, pledging their allegiance to them. When they turned to the other gods, the Lord chastened them. He brought hardships on them to call them to repentance and life. Israel learned to know God as a righteous judge and as a mighty deliverer. But they did not come to know God as their father. It's not until the coming of Jesus Christ in human flesh that God's people come to know God as their father. The Gospels make it clear that Jesus knew God to be his father. As a 12-year-old boy, Christ remained in the temple after the celebration of the Passover. When his parents finally located him there after three days of searching, Jesus said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? In the same way, at the beginning of his public ministry, Christ refers to the temple as my father's house when he cleansed it of the money changers. Throughout his ministry, Jesus often referred to God as my father. Jesus made it clear that through him, we may call God our father. He made this known to his disciples in a beautiful way in John 14. In verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the next verse, he said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip and the other disciples did not know what Jesus was saying to them. Philip spoke on behalf of all the disciples and he responded, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus told him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We need to pause and to carefully examine these words, beloved. Jesus said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Here Jesus reveals a profound truth. It is that God our Father has manifest his great love for his people in sending his dearly loved Son into this world. Please remember that God is spirit. God is not a physical being. When Jesus talks about seeing the Father, 
He's not talking about us seeing him with our physical eyes. Jesus is talking about knowing God. His point in John 14 is that in him, we may learn to know God as we've never known him before. What did Jesus mean? Well, Israel knew the Lord as their faithful covenant God, as a God who was loyal, who was reliable, who kept his promises. But they did not know of his passionate love for them. They did not know of how his heart was stirred by them, as a father's heart is invested in his children. Yet God's great love for his people would soon be made clear. In love, God sent forth his dearly loved son into this world. He sent Jesus to save his people from their sins. God loved his people so much, he was willing to offer his only son as a sacrifice for their sins on the cross. Through the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross, God would claim his people as his own once more. He would become their father, and they would become his sons and daughters. In John's gospel, Jesus is revealed as the Son of God. If Jesus is God's Son, then God is his Father. Jesus points out the intimate link that existed between him and the Father. In John 10.30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. The reason why John reveals God as Jesus' Father is to make clear our relationship with God. God has become our Father through Christ. After his resurrection, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Do you know why Jesus teaches us to address God as our Father at the beginning of our prayers? He does so because he wants us to trust God, just as a little child implicitly trusts his daddy. Jesus uses that close parent-child relationship to model how close we can be to our Heavenly Father. God, our Father, loves us. He loves us with a deep and an abiding love, just as your mom and dad love you, their child. God, our Father, wants us to know him as someone who truly cares about us. He wants to enter into a close he wants us to enter into close communion with him. He wants us to share our hearts and our lives with him. Why should we trust God and be willing to enter into intimate fellowship with him? Why should you talk to God about the things happening in your life? Why should you share your joys and your sorrows with the Lord? Why should you talk to him about your deepest fears and tell him all about your feelings and your desires? It's because in Christ, God has become 
your father. He loves you more than you'll ever be able to understand. In 1 John 3, John speaks about that. He talks about the great love that the Father has lavished on us. So when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, that God grabbed hold of us, that he made us his own. He adopted us as his children. He gave us a place in his family. And it's not because we were so good or so lovable, but because God is gracious and loving. Jesus taught us to address God as our Father in heaven. He did that so that right at the beginning of our prayers, we might be reminded of the wonderful relationship we may have with our God. He did that to assure us that by his grace in Christ, we are God's children. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, to awaken a childlike reverence and trust in our hearts. He wants us to feel safe and secure and loved. By addressing God as our Father, we learn to trust that God will care for us, that he will shelter us under his wings, that he will provide us with all that we need for body and soul. And so it's really important not just to address our prayers to gracious God or to dear Lord. Jesus teaches us to call God our Father that we may be drawn into intimate fellowship with him. This brings us to our second point. We can draw near to our Heavenly Father in prayer because of his powerful ability to provide for us. Jesus taught us to address God as our Father in heaven. These words also reveal something important about God to us. They teach us about the majesty the glory, the power of our God. They help us to trust that our Father is not just willing, but he's also able to help us in our times of need. By adding the words in heaven to how we address God, Jesus teaches us to consider who God is. There's such a vast difference between us living on earth and our Father who resides in the heavens. While we are weak and sinful creatures, our Father is the powerful creator of heaven and earth. He's seated on the throne as almighty king. He's enrobed with glory and majesty. He's worshipped and glorified by the angels. Our Father holds this whole world in his hands. He rules over all nations he exercises dominion over all people. That's by adding the words in heaven to the address of our prayers. Christ teaches us to think of God's majesty and his power. He wants to remind us that we serve the mighty king of all the earth. Who hears. Who's able to answer our prayers. Now, beloved, there can be times in our lives when we doubt whether or not God truly hears and answers our prayers. 
There's times when the trials and the sorrows of life overwhelm us. Sometimes we get to the point where we think that it's senseless to pray. We think God is not willing or able to provide our needs. We can become so distressed that we no longer even know how to address God in our prayers. It's especially in times like this, where it's good to pray in the manner the Lord Jesus taught us. It's good to call upon the name of the Lord with the words, Our Father in Heaven. That's what the Lord Jesus also did in the times when he was most troubled in life. Think about the terrible suffering that our Savior went through in the last days of his life here on earth. He knew that he would soon have to suffer and die. His soul was exceedingly sorrowful. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ prayed to his Father, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Christ prayed a second time, saying, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Christ prayed a third time, using the same words. Christ's prayers did not mean that his suffering was removed. In fact, the opposite happened. His betrayer came along with a great crowd with swords and clubs. Yet by praying, Christ was strengthened to deal with the calamity that came upon him. He had full confidence in God's power. He knew his father was able to deliver him. We see this in that Jesus commanded his disciples to put aside their swords. Jesus said, Do you not think that I do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and that he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? Our Savior knew that God could come and save him. And he also knew that he would have to suffer and die for our sake. And so he submitted to doing the will of his Father in heaven. There's only one time when Christ does not address God as his Father. That is during the three hours of darkness while Jesus hung on the cross. During those hours, the Father forsook him. He poured out his wrath on Christ. At the end of that time, Christ prayed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet having completed his task, Christ once more confesses his faith and trust in his Father in heaven. For just before he died, Christ called out to God and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Beloved, there will never be a time in our lives when the situation is so bad that we cannot address God as our Father in heaven. Through his suffering and death, Christ has restored us to the position of sonship. We are God's children, and he is our Father. We belong to the family of God, 
And God has promised to answer our prayers for Christ's sake. Our Lord teaches us this in John 16, 23. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Our Heavenly Father will grant us what we ask of him in Jesus' name, because Jesus has restored us to fellowship with him. He's able to do so as Almighty God. And he's willing also as a faithful Father. Our scripture reading from Matthew 7 also assures us of the fact that our Heavenly Father will hear and answer our prayers. Christ says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Christ continues his teaching in Matthew 7 by emphasizing how much our Heavenly Father loves to give good gifts to his children. He notes that if your son asks you for bread, you do not give him a stone. And if he asks you for a fish, you do not give him a serpent. Christ asks, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, beloved, at times when we're deeply hurting because of problems and struggles in life, we know where we may turn. We know where we must turn. Christ commands us to go to God in prayer. He teaches us to address God as our Father in heaven. For that's who God is. He's our Father through the redeeming work of Christ. He dwells in heavenly majesty and glory, having dominion over this world and everything in it. We can put our trust in Him. We may depend on him to answer our prayers, for that's what he promised. Let us therefore follow the direction of our Lord. Let's bring our deepest struggles, our biggest worries, before our Father in prayer. Let's ask him for grace and strength to deal with the difficult situation we're in. And let us then also expect all good things from his fatherly hand. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that we are not on our own when we pray. As children of God, we're also led by the Spirit of God. He's the one who enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. Of ourselves, we'd never go to God for help. But the Spirit leads and He directs us in our prayers. In Romans 8.26, Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Let this give us confidence to go to our Father in prayer. Although we may not always be able to express exactly what we mean, 
our Father will understand and he'll certainly hear our prayers. Beloved, it's our Lord Jesus Christ who has taught us to address God as our Heavenly Father. We can draw near to God through his redeeming work. For Christ restored us in our relationship with God. He's restored us to the position of being God's sons and daughters. In him, our Father's love and mercy has been revealed. For God so loved us, he sent his Son to die for us. This makes us confident of our Father's continued care over our lives. As Paul writes in Romans 8.32, He did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? We're privileged to address God as our Father in heaven. Let's confidently draw near to him in prayer and then also expect his rich blessing on our lives. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing together from hymn 13.